following message was recorded at Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org. I got some questions for you. These are the questions that I'm going to seek to to unpack for us in this message. I I sought the Lord on such a um uh uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm thankful that we have 12 months this year giving giving us 12 occasions to really unpack this dwell because it's such a rich uh, theme, uh, thematic element without throughout the entire scriptures. And it all starts with God dwelling in us like like we 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 uh, we, we we definitely fall short in making God our refuge, our, our shelter, our home. Um, but God, we see this throughout the old, the old Testament that, that God made a way to, to, to bring his presence, uh, to the community of faith in the nation of Israel by, uh, by invading the tabernacle and, and walking with the nation of Israel, being the, uh, the, the, the powerful presence that was absolutely necessary to win every battle, to conquer every foe, to, to cross every Jordan, that like he is the one that made all that possible. And uh, Moses said at one point, says, if you don't go with us, I'm not going <laughs> because the battle belongs to the Lord. And so um, and, and Moses understood that, that he was, you know, it took the burning bush experience. It took 40 years in the Sinai on the other side of of killing a taskmaster, thinking he was delivering a, uh, his people to really come to a humble place where he could say, I can't, but understand that God says, but I can. And, uh, and that's, that's where we need to be, um, that acknowledging the fact that God wants to indwell uh, with his, he wants to be with his people. And he took great initiative to see that to reality. And here's, here's the deal, guys. You know, the Old Testament, we know, isn't it better that, uh, that Jesus came then what was the new covenant better than the old? Right. I mean, like, I mean, God with us. Right. I mean, Jesus took on flesh and came and fulfilled every promise. He said, I did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. So that was a that was a far better work. Everything was pointing to Christ. The pinnacle of God's redemptive work and plan was to rescue humanity. And it all every, the sacrificial system, everything pointed to Jesus. And then Jesus came and then he said these crazy words. Um, I mean, Forgive me. Words just saturated with truth. And he said this, it's better that I go that he might come. Like, do you know that it's better now for like we have the spirit indwelling us? Like God has put himself, you know, it's 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 not that with Jesus, he was with us, you know, beside us. But now he's inside us. Because that was necessary in order to deal with the problem, which was our hearts. And now he's given us a new heart and his spirit. And that's what we lost in the garden. That's where in, when death found its presence in our life is when our spirit died. And now God, as he always does, gives us his spirit in his sacrificial nature. And the spirit has come to make his dwelling us. And one of the verses that we've looked at as a theme verse for this for this year is in uh, is in First Corinthians three sixteen. He says, "Do you not know that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit? That God's powerful Spirit dwells in you? Like that's that's what we're going to be getting to this year. Like what? <laughs> like and and Jesus says, you're clothed with power in order to be my witnesses. There's the there's the there's the goal. There's the the purpose." Right? He says, you'll finish what I've started. You will do even greater things than I. I mean, like, wow. And that was talking about scope, not the quantity or the quality of what he did, but the, the, the scope of, of what he will do through us. And it required the, the, the power of the Spirit in dwelling you and I. And, and here, like, I, I, you can't say this enough to try to internalize this, but the same power that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, abides in you, Leilani. Like, how amazing is that? 
Like this is what, and this is what God wants to do. He wants to make us his home, but then here's the part that's ours and the calling throughout the entire Bible. He wants us to make him our home. You know, when it, we'll, we'll get to, to this character, and I don't say that in a silly way. I mean, this wonderful historical biblical character later on, David. Man, you look at the Psalms and man, this guy understood that, that, that God was his dwelling, his refuge, his rock, his hiding place, right? Do we, do we understand that God has made his, his home us and then he wants us to make him our home? Does that make sense? That's dwell. That's the scriptural understanding of dwell. So let me ask you some questions because um, I, I believe that the way the Lord's going to lead us, and I only, you know, I only have a glimmer of what God's going to be doing in this season, right? But, but for the first one, I'm excited for what He's revealed, and and what I believe He's going to lead us to do is to look throughout the, the 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 whole biblical narrative and 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 glean from the the successes and failures of 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 these wonderful cloud of witnesses that have gone before us and uh, and see see how they've kind of dwelt with the Lord or not dwelt and what that what that looks like. And so I'm going to start with two characters this morning. And uh, the first one is Noah. Um, what do we know about Noah? Um, we're told in chapter six, verse eight and nine, that, um, you know, the best part is the third part, but that he was blameless, right? That he... Uh, but he's blameless among a generation that doesn't really, isn't doing so well, right? The, the thoughts and intentions of their hearts was only evil all the time. Um, and in verse 8, we're told, um, and we'll back up to that just here in, in a minute, um, we're told that Noah found favor with God. So how does someone find favor with God? We're going to answer that question. Secondly, we're, see, we're seeing that you know Noah was a righteous man, blameless among his generation, as we see here. But, but clearly it says what? What does it say? He walked with God. So here, here are the questions I want to ask you this morning. What does it mean to walk with God? What does it mean? What does it mean to walk, not for God, not, but with God? I, you know, we I asked this question in our study. I, I encourage you to come out for our our get ready study at nine on, you know, on uh, Sunday mornings. It's a it's a wonderful and rich time together. But um, what does it mean to walk with anyone, right? What does it what does it mean to walk with someone, right? You you share a path, you share a destination, you share a journey, you sh- you share you share, right? Um, and this really helps us to understand what it means to walk with God. And this is what was said of him. Do you know that, that there's a legacy in Noah's life? Uh, another guy that walked with God. It was his great-grandfather. Anybody know what his name was? Enoch. Right? Enoch walked with God and he was no more. He was taken. Right? Like, uh, this, this is a rich legacy that's left behind in Noah's life. And, uh, and he follows in his grand, great-grandfather's footsteps. Who was his grandfather? Methuselah lived 969 years. I I believe that's a fact. And uh, his dad was Lamech. But his great-grandfather, it says, the only thing, wouldn't you love that your legacy was this? This was your legacy. That's it. Between between the dates, your your dash was this. He walked with God. (laughs) That's an awesome thing. And Noah uh, obviously gleaned that from his heritage. The other question I'm going to ask is, how do we walk or dwell with him? Think about that. How do we walk with God? How do we dwell with him, make him our home? And finally, what is the fruit of walking or dwelling with the Lord? What is the fruit of those things? So um, for context purposes, I'm going to read the first seven verses It won't be on the slide, so hopefully you have your Bibles. Turn to Genesis 6. If not, you'll listen and follow along with me here. But I want to give you a context of what Noah's context was, his generation. And uh, and I'm going to pick up here in verse 5. 
Um, and it says this, the, law, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every, don't miss this, great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his man's heart was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him to his heart. God was broken hearted because of the condition of men, man's heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man who I have created on the face of the land, man and animal and the creeping things and the birds of the heaven, for I am sorry that I have made them. This is the context. And the next verse, as we'll see on the slide here, says, But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. How does one find favor with the Lord? We've talked about the around Christmas time because the angels declare it. We see that Mary was, was said that she was the highly favored or favored one. But, you know, you don't have to go very far to understand where favor comes from. It comes from faith. Do you know that before God asks you to do anything, he knows how you're going to answer or respond to it? He knows if you're going to follow through or not. You know, he, he knows. And he knows that obedience uh, flows from faith. Righteousness is a fruit of faith. But favor is a byproduct. God putting, he looks to and fro, right? For one that he can show himself strong in. And uh, and for and he 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 places this favor upon upon uh, Noah and then listen to what he says here. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man. We know righteousness is imputed to us by faith. Abraham was was uh, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Righteousness is not something that we can be or we should pursue it, but now it's in it's given to us. The righteous, you know, he who had no sin became sin that we might become the righteousness of God, right? So, um, but it says he was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. I would tell you that wasn't so difficult based on what we know, right? I mean, but, but he stood out. He stood out. And let me say this as a, as a current, I think this is very, very relevant. Um, do, do you feel like our world is in decay morally, spiritually? You know that there's a there's a there's darkness that has really kind of ramped it up. The decay has become kind of a slippery slope in recent years. And but man, doesn't it doesn't it create an occasion for the lights in the world to stand out? And do we do, do we need to always be reminded that light is simply I mean that darkness is simply the absence of light. And 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 we are equipped with the light of the world now in this illustration, we are simply the moon, right? The moon has no source of light in itself, but it reflects the sun. And that's exactly what we're called to do. We reflect the S-O-N, right? We, we, but in order for that to, to have, you know, the moon sometimes, uh, you ever, you ever, you know, look outside your window and you're like, man, it's, did I leave a light on? No, it's a full moon, right? Um, it's because the moon is given, given the sun his, its full focus, like, you know, it's, it's, we're getting all of it, right? And, and that's what Dwell really is talking about, is that are we giving God our, our full attention, our, full, our face? Like, are we, are we giving him all of us so that we can shine as a reflection of who he is on the world? Does that make sense? And we don't shine if we don't give him like if we don't get in his presence and, 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 and benefit from his glory, from who he is. And so, you know, I, I really think with current context, this is very relevant. I mean, we have a culture, this goes on to talk about like violence fill the earth and all of this. And, and man, we see a lot of that, right? But man, if we walk with God, blameless among our generation, maybe, maybe God will use us to do some pretty glorious things. And because Noah was a righteous man, blameless among his generation and walked with God, his whole family was saved. Isn't that good news? You know, that's good news. And so let us be people 
that walk with God, that in a generate, you know, because I, you know, we got to stop talking about the darkness and shine the light, right? I mean, look, there's bad news, right? <laughs> We're living in a fallen world, but there's a lot of good news, and we need to be that good news, not just know it, but be it, right? We need to shine for the glory of God, and 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 here's the thing. We can't unless we walk with him because he is the source of our light, our hope. Do you know what the gift of God is? God. That's the gift of God. It's him. And then, but the things we talk about, if I had to say, what's the gift of God? You'd make a list, but those lists are all the byproducts of God and his presence in our life. He's the gift. And so what do we need to do? We need to walk with him. We need to, we need to abide with him as Jesus beckoned his disciples in his final hours before going to a cross. He said, abide in me. What is the word? That's where we get the word abode. The NIV translates it remain, right? Stay close. The ESV trans, translates cleave as hold fast. Like this is, this is what Jesus is saying. He say, he says, apart from me, you can't do anything. But if you abide in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit, showing yourself to be. How do we reveal that we are imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children? And how do we live a life of love, as we're told in Ephesians 5? It's by simply, like, like let me, can I boil the Christian life down to this? It's love God, love people, right? I mean, Jesus said that, but, but let me be practical. It's just, it's just fixing your eyes on Jesus. It is setting your mind on things above, not on earthly things. It is, it is making him your focus, your pursuit, your passion, your everything. And you're, you're like, well, if I, if I focus on him all the time, then I won't have any time to focus. Guys, then he directs our path. It's, it's Jesus invites us into a yoke that is easy and light. Does life feel easy and light at times? But when we do it with him, he's the one that's carrying us. He's the one that's, he's the one that's directing our path and giving the strength for the journey. But man, you know, I talked about last week, are we being backseat drivers? Are we saying, oh, he's Lord, but, but uh, I'll see you next week when, uh, when I need you to kind of fix what I'm trying to do here. So Noah walked with God. I want to tell you, if you go down to the bottom of chapter six, it says this in verse 22. It says, Noah did this. Um, and I, I want you to look at what did this was, because it was a, you know, and then in chapter five, verse or chapter seven, the next chapter, uh, verse five, it, it says again, these same words. This is what it says. He did all that God commanded him. Do you know that part of a, of dwelling is obedience? Like that's how we show God our our love. That's what Jesus said. That's His love language. That we obey Him. That's how we. That's how He knows that we are. That He is Lord. Many many will say Lord Lord, but they don't do what I. It's it, it's it's a joke. It's not true. If we don't do what He says, we're not building our house on the rock on the foundation. When the storms come, that that's shifting sand. When we're not practicing the very things that he has told us to do. And why does he tell us to do these things? Because he loves us. Because he wants to protect and guide us. He wants us to walk the narrow path. That's Yes, it's hard, but it's filled with fruit and, and abundance and life and truth. That this, is, this is what he wants for us. But, but Noah was obedient. And it wasn't just some trivial thought or, or task. It was to build an ark. Um, by the way, um, boats weren't a thing, and uh, they're in the middle of Mesopotamia, and this boat is one and a half foot football fields long, one and a half football fields wide, and four and a half stories. And you got three boys. Let's get that done. And in the midst of a culture that's going to say, you're crazy. Ever been there? Like God's going to ask you to do things that will contradict your own sense of making sense. 
right? Do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might test and approve what God's good, perfect, and pleasing will is because it's always going to be counterculture, counterintuitive, counternature for sure. (laughs) It's going to contradict uh, what you, your desires might be. So like his great-grandfather Enoch, Noah walked with God. Enoch walked out his life that revealed the faith that was in his heart. I think that's important. Leaving a legacy of walking and dwelling with God for future generations. Are you doing that for future generations? Are you leaving a legacy of walking with God? Because sometimes, you know, in, 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 in the terms that we use in our current context, leave a legacy. Where do you hear that? In financial conversations. Is that really a legacy? Money? How about leave behind a life that walked and dwelt with God, that that found the true treasures in life? So what does it mean to walk with God? Some thoughts. When our lives are marked by an intimate relationship that reflects his character and nature and our pursuit of his heart. I'll say that again. When our lives are marked, all of these notes, by the way, are online. Steve is so gracious. I send these to him on Saturdays. He puts them online so you can have them right now in front of you and follow along on your phones or tablets. Make notes. You can print them and bring them with you. Be a student, right? And so it says, this is what some of the things, the thoughts in my limited understanding. What does it mean to walk with God? When our lives are marked by an intimate relationship that reflects his character and nature and our pursuit of his heart. Ephesians 5.1 says, Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love. We don't do that unless we are hanging out with him. We, we are simply conduits. We are, Jesus uses in John 15, we are, we are, we're the branch. He's the true vine. And the fruit is the spirits. It's not even ours. We're just simply the conduit. We're the pipe, but we're the, we're blessed to get to be the, the, that, the branch. Another thought. It is a consistent, this is what it means to walk with God. It is a consistent focused or focus on his will and word to direct our hearts, our minds, and our path. It is a consistent focus on his will and his word. You know, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Right? Right down to the menial tasks of life. You know, why do you dress? Who do you dress for? Him? What, why? Even down to what we eat and drink. Like, it's, it's not meant to be a burden. It's meant to be a devotion. Does that make sense? Like, who do you live for? And there is no obligation in our hearts here. You know, when, it, when, we're, when we're told about in the, in the process of giving, that we should never do it out of reluctancy or under compulsion. God loves a cheerful giver, right? Yeah, surely the context is money there, but I, it translates, right? Man, we should never pursue him out of any form of obligation or expecting something from him, because here's the truth. He's already given us everything in Christ Jesus. So we, we, we run after him with a heart of gratitude, with a, with a passion to love the one that loves us first and did it all. No greater love than this than a man lay down his life for you. Like nobody's going to love you the way he does. And when you're convinced that he loves you wholly, completely, and totally, you are no longer susceptible to any, you go, love me, love me, love me. Like, it just liberates you to love others because you're so loved. So that's what I believe it means to walk after God. There is no obligation in in our hearts here. It is a sincere love, appreciation, awe, and longing. It's a love affair. That's what it is. That's what I've found it to be. And it just, it's, 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 it's the song in my heart that we sung about. He is my song. You know, so it doesn't say walked for God, but with God. So I want to clarify something here. He is already pleased with us in Christ, and we have been given his favor because of the cross. Because of Christ's sacrifice, we have shalom, we're told in Romans 5.1, and that we are justified with God. 
here's what I mean. It's like, you don't have to earn his favor. You don't, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And now we are hidden in Christ with God. You are in Christ. You're in his pleasure. You're in his son. You are, you are the righteousness of God in Christ. What do you have to earn? It's been earned for you. Thank you very much, Lord. Right? And that's what our life becomes. A thank you very much, Lord, every moment of every day. And that's why we dwell. Because, like, where else can we go? You have the words to eternal life. Why would I want to be with any... Better is one day in your presence than a thousand elsewhere. And I think a thousand's an understatement. Like, like it's... It's awesome, but we don't have to try. We don't, we don't walk with him to please him or to get anything from him or to stay in a, in a status of his. That's a done deal, right? You can't not be his child anymore. You cannot, you cannot, you can't out. He's not going to forfeit his, his claim on your life. We've been bought with a price. You are not your own. And that's good news. And so don't try to, don't pursue him to earn anything or to prove anything, but just to, to love the one that loves you first. Another thought is, so to walk with, with God means to do what he is doing and join him in his work. It, it means to make him our home, make him our dwelling place, make him our shelter, Right? And, and, and we walk with him. We, and, but, but he's, we're doing what he's doing. He, we're not inviting him to do what we're doing. Like, it's, it's his yoke. It's his teachings. That's what that yoke means. Rabbis had yokes. If we do it with him, we are, we are promised success. We see that throughout the scriptures. We're promised success. But, you know, we sang a song this morning. And have you ever sung a song and you go, I don't know about that? Right, like, like we sang. Uh, it, I think it was our third song that we sang, and it talks about like, and Marty, you might have to help me. Um, like, you, you you do everything. You, you, you never you're never gonna let me down. Okay, there it is. Never gonna let me down. And the, the the words that came to mind was, we will never be put to shame, is what Paul says in Romans. Right, by by trusting Christ, by 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 standing on His promise, we're never gonna be put to shame on God. But here's the thing. Some of us might say, I don't know about that in our own thoughts and minds because I've, you know, you're never going to let me down. I've, I felt pretty let down about this. But here's the thing. It's based on what he's promised to do, not what we want him to do. Did you hear me? Like, because there's so many people that are disappointed by expectations that God never stated in promises. Like, we want God to do this and this and this and this and this. And I prayed and asked you to do it. Right? And you didn't do it. But God never promised to do that. But He has promised to be with you to the very end of the age. He's promised to never leave you or forsake you. He's promised that He, that the sting of death is still here, but He's going to take it one day. And He's coming back for you. You're His bride. And He's going to take you home. For I go to my Father's house to prepare a place for you, that where I am, you shall also be. I'm going to take you to myself. Man, if we stand on his promises, you will never be put to shame. He will never let you down on his word. Now, our, our, our forecast on the timing of those things requires us to trust the Lord. Right? Because his ways are not our ways. His thoughts, his timing is not our timing. But if we do it with him, we are promised success. So how are we to walk or dwell with him? So I'm going to give you some practical stuff here, right? As we dwell, I want to give you some practical things here. Um, spend significant time in his word to know his heart, to know his plan, to know his purpose. And then I want to challenge you to read relationally because folks, beloved, this is a love letter from a God that loves you and is pursuing your heart and, and considers you worth dying for. Read this. It's not a textbook. And you're not going to understand it. It's, but all the time, but, but we have the author inside to, to lead us into all truth and remind us of everything he said. But let's remember to read relationally. 
I mean, when you open a love letter from someone, right, there's a disposition. There's a posture when you're reading a love letter. Do you have that same posture when you're reading God's word? Because I think it'll change your your expectations and attitudes and your intentions and your and, and even your, your pursuit of that time. Right? Spend significant time in his word to know his heart. Read relationally. It's a love letter. Um, Colossians 3. Um, you know, I, I'm just going to quote it for you. Like, let the, the, the word of Christ dwell richly in you, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Like, it, like in, 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 in Colossians 3.16, I always think, man, if you read all the 3.16s, this is some pretty good stuff. But like, like Colossians 3.16 says, let the word of Christ dwell richly in you. Like, to dwell. Like, just think for a moment, because I think it's important that we, that we really process these things. Um, what does it mean to you to have God's word dwell in you? For me, you know, what comes to mind is I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Uh, I delight in the law of the Lord and meditate on it day and night. I, I think of Psalms 19 and all 176 verses of it. It's just, it's, it's, it, it is the treasure. It is more precious than rubies and gold, the finest of gold, right? Um, but, Mike said this this morning when we were talking about this. How do we walk or dwell with him? Prayer. We find our tent of meeting. We, we, we make our tent of meeting. We, 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 we d- distinguish our war room. Right? How many of you ever watched that movie and go, I'm going to have a war room. Like my closet's gone. I don't need my clothes. I need him. Right? Like, um, but like we, we, prayer is always marks. Maturity always marks a heart, a pursuit, a dwelling believer. Um, keeping with repentance. If you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Like, like John said, you know, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. What that means is we've got to, listen, who needs to change, God or us? And if he's conforming us to his image, is that going to require a little bit of change in our life? Can that be painful at times? And I think it makes it's it's more painful when we're wrestling with God rather than submitting to Him, right? We're the bride of Christ. Let us submit. Let us just say, I don't have to like it, but but I trust you, Lord, right? Walk in repentance, man. I'm sure there are things this morning that you just need to repent of. Just agree with God that that's wrong, and I'm sorry, and I'm going to turn from that, and I'm going to do whatever it takes to move in a different direction. Fasting. Jesus said, when you do it, not if. And, and let me tell you that fasting, man, it has tons of all kinds of benefits, but fasting is meant to be setting apart something so you can, you can make more time for him and for his people. Because how do we love Jesus? When you've done it unto the least of these brothers of mine, you've done it unto, right? So maybe that means giving up a meal so somebody else can eat. Giving up a blanket so somebody's not without a blanket outside in the cold or, or giving up some clothes because we have too much. Or, you know, maybe we don't fill our refrigerator this week. We fill somebody else's, right? I mean, that, that's what true fasting is. If you read, you want to read what true fasting is? Go to Isaiah and read chapter, I think it's 51. Um, but it, 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 it talks about true fasting, right? And, and, and what that's talking about is like giving up so others can have. And in the context of our relationship with God, it's giving up us so we can have more of him. Does that make sense? That's what fasting really is. And when we do it with that motivation and intention, man, fasting is, man, you will love it. You will want to do it all the time. Love God through obedience. We mentioned that earlier. Love God through obedience. It's our memory verse for February. And I'm not going to tell you that. I'm just going to hope that you go and print that, grab a card from the foyer, do whatever it takes to hide God's word in your heart. Next Sunday, we're going to have those memory cards because we still have January's memory card. But next Sunday, we'll have memory cards in the foyer for February. Grab it because it, it helps us understand to dwell means to obey his word, right? To do, to do what he's asked of us. Um, love others through service and generosity. This is what it means to dwell. 
to love others through like that. That's how we that, and to live in intimate community. Like, you know, where does the spirit of God dwelling here right on earth today? In his church. And and you're his church, but but you're only a facet, a member of that church. Uh, and, and you need to be with others in order to be healthy, to have outlets for the one another's, in order to receive the gifts that you lack. You've got to live in intimate community. That means being in studies with others. It means in, being in accountable relationships with others. It means spending time with others, um, you know, daily um, worship, worship. And let me tell you, we're not this. We don't call this a worship service, even though we are worshiping. Um, worship, based on Romans 12:1, is being a living sacrifice. Is that we live sacrificially for the benefit of others and the glory of God. And that doesn't mean that we don't sing, because I'm going to tell you one of the most ways that I significantly dwell with the Lord is when I when I just worship Him. I hope the only time that you worship through song is not just here for Sunday morning for 25 minutes. I hope that you spend time in front Joy FM on the radio, absolutely. But there's times where you just get set apart to sing his praises and allow the lyrics of those songs to just really become your personal anthem. Because And not just praise, but worship. And then practice uh, or participate in intimate community. Um, intimate, transparent relationships. So last question here is, is what is the fruit of walking or dwelling with the Lord? What's the fruit of it? Right? And, and I, I know that I, I already kind of gave the answer away, but it's him, his presence. I mean, we can make this long list, which I'm going to give you in just a moment of just my own experience in my life. But like the, the truth is, it's his presence. And then these are the byproducts, the results, the fruit of his presence. And this is not exhaustive. This is my own my own thoughts, and it's it's, it's it, it could be it could take a day, right, to just list. But top of the list for me, shalom. Shalom is more than peace. It is a sense of completeness and contentment. Shalom means everything's where it's supposed to be, and I just feel a sense of like peace. That's the byproduct of shalom. Does that make sense? And that's what Jesus brings us. He's the Prince of Shalom, right? And, and if you read in, in Romans, if you want to write this down, read Romans chapter 5, the first three verses. But verses 1 and 2 just tells us that, that we now have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Such a gift. So his presence, but Shalom. And, and I'm going to give you some more. If you don't have the notes in front of you, I encourage you to go back to the, to the website and grab those. But, but if you're making notes, here it is. Shalom. Uh, we have a constant reminder of his love by his spirit. We have the Holy Spirit. We have his presence, his spirit in us. A joy to be our strength, the joy of the Lord. God confidence. <laughs> you know, we're never meant to be self-confident. I, I can't. I'm not confident about me, but I'm completely confident in him. Faith, right? A hunger and thirst for righteousness. Comfort. Counsel. Conviction, those are all gifts. Conviction, gift. A rich desire for obedience. This is the fruit of dwelling with the Lord. A rich desire for obedience. The shelter of his wings. The protection of our great shepherd. A peace that passes all understanding. We have life from his, um, from his perspective. We, excuse me, we see life from his perspective. Like we have vision and clarity. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways you acknowledge him. And he will make your path straight. That means obvious, clear. Right? He, he, he makes our path straight. We, we desire to love others as an instrument for his glory because we know it's him and not us. We see and hate sin. I love this. We see it like we can identify it. And we actually aren't wanting to befriend it or embrace it, but we hate it. And a, and, a, and a desire to hide in him, not from him. Right? This is, this is what our dwelling... Because think about it in the garden. The moment that that sin entered the equation, what did they do? They hid. They covered up. Right? And, and what, this, what dwelling with the Lord does is it 
through confession, you know, we can enter into his presence boldly and confidently. Listen to what Psalms 191.1 says. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Of the Almighty. I'm going to read a text for us this morning um, as we look at Moses and how he dwelt with the Lord. And the subtitle of today's message dwells the message, but is the tent of meeting. Listen, listen to this, because I think there's some pieces we can pull out of this. Now, this is in uh, ex, uh, Exodus 33, 7 through the first part of chapter, uh, verse 11. And it says, now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, far off from the camp. And he called it the tent of meeting. And everyone who sought the Lord, that's key, underline that. Everyone who sought, are you, are you seeking? Who sought the Lord would go out, second time we've heard that, to the tent of meeting, which third time here, which was outside the camp. There's a, there's a verse that Jesus, in Mark, in Mark chapter 1, verse 35, it says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went to a solitary place where he prayed. Jesus did this, right? He, 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 he modeled this for us. But he says that, which was outside the camp, speaking of the tent of meeting, and it says, whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people would rise up and each would stand at his, at his tent door and watch Moses until he had gone into the tent. Do you remember what happens after, because this is where he meets with the Lord, right? This is where he, it, it's not even, like we could say it's the prayer tent, but, but really it's, it's where he listens to the Lord. Hears from the Lord, right? Um, but, you know, the, the question here is, is, do we have a tent of meeting? When, when Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent. So in James, we're told, draw near to me and I will draw near to you, right? Here's Moses drawing near to God. And then we see what happened. The presence of the Lord comes. And it causes worship and awe amongst the, the, those that are around him. And the Lord would speak to Moses. You know, so often we think of prayer as us talking to God. Do you, do you think that maybe from God's perspective, it's more about what he has to say to us? And that maybe we have two ears and one mouth for a reason? Like that's, 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 a, that's a big deal because it says, and the Lord would speak to, with Moses. So maybe, maybe our, our, our tent of meeting needs to be a place where we listen to the Lord in prayer for that still small voice. And when all the people saw the pillar of clouds standing at the entrance of the tent and all the people would rise up and worship. Like when others see, what was the byproduct of of his time in in the tent of meeting? Shekinah glory. He would literally like shine. Do you know that God wants to do that even more profoundly? Do do you know that I've, I've heard this, like people will say like, like, I can feel it, too, when people are going. Like, people just look at me like, whoa, what's... Like, I mean, I, 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 I can sense it in my own heart when God... And it all, it all has to do with when I spend significant time with Him. It's not even... It has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with Him. More of Him, like, He, he shines, right? And, and don't, doesn't the world need to see Him? Nobody needs... To, nobody's going to get saved looking or hearing or seeing me. But if we lift Jesus up, he will draw man unto himself, right? Like, so we need to reflect him. Do you know the word represent means to represent? And that's who we're meant to represent. So when the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise up and worship each at his own door. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to a friend. Don't you want that? But let me ask you a question. Do you get up very early in the morning and find a place that's away from any distraction that could possibly happen? Do you put your, your phone on airplane mode? So, cause I know a lot of us use that during our quiet time. I mean, do you, do you, do, do you give him unprecedented first fruit time with him? And this is our challenge going into February. If you've, if you've given God first five for January, let's, let's give God first 10, right? The 10th. And, uh, and, and for those that are doing this or accepting this challenge, we're asking you, you know, 
Marty's asking you to put a leaf on the tree, put a thumbprint on the, on the, the piece of ark on the left here. And as we go through the year, we're going to see this beautiful, the beauty of God arise through this, this expression of, of art of our lives. But man, that's, that's, that's only a picture if, if it's not a reality of what's going on with us. But my, my conviction is this. If we get to the end of the year and everybody's taking the challenge, you know, and, and, and we all are starting to really give God literally the first hour of our lives, man, we're going to be a mighty instrument for God because it's not about us. It's about the one we serve and the time we spend dwelling in his presence. Apart from me, you can do nothing. But if you abide in me, you will bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Jesus modeled dwell so well that his disciples asked him to teach him to pray. Others are challenged by your dwell and how it affects your life. Guys, you want, do you want people to see Jesus? Do you want them to see Jesus? Do you think that'll make any impact in the world? Well, Here's the deal. You've got to spend time with him significant so that they do see Jesus and not you. And if you feel like, man, I, I always seem to falling short of showing people Jesus, maybe because you're not spending enough time with him. Here, here's the thing, guys. Um, John the Baptist pointed at, can you imagine? He pointed at Jesus and he said, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And two of his disciples said, um, John and Andrew, they just kind of left, and which was exactly what John wanted. And he, they went after Jesus, and they get in front of Jesus, and you can imagine they're like, "What do I say now?" And you know, because they've just been told he's the Lamb of God. <laughs> and uh, and they said, he said, they said, "Where are you staying? Where are you abiding?" And Jesus said, "What? Come and see." That's what he does. Come and see, right? Like they asked him, where, where are you living? Because that's where I want to be. Guys, this whole thing about inviting Jesus into our life is foolishness. He's invited us into his. Jesus isn't interested in, in taking over the, the, he's, he's interested in, in you coming in and being healed by his life. He's invited you into his life in the most intimate of ways. Here's the challenge, guys. Currently, we have one house of prayer. Uh, where is the doors to the church? Just making sure we don't miss, haven't forgotten this. Is those the doors to the church? Yeah. Your house has a door to the church because you're the church, right? And so my, my desire is that we would have houses, plural, of prayer. Miss Judy opens her house every Thursday, every uh, the first and third Thursday of every month, and it's for the purpose of prayer. Come, come and pray, right, Miss Judy? Come and pray. But man, I'd love if we had six or seven homes that meet at various frequencies, days of the weeks, time frames. Whether you have a meal or not, that's up to you. Whether you, but but that it's for the purpose of prayer. Would you prayerfully consider being a house of prayer? And saying, hey, we'd like to offer folks to come over to our house Wednesday morning at Thursday night at Friday, Sunday afternoon, whatever. Just so that we can get together and just, and just petition our glorious Father for his heart. Um, I, I would love that. The other thing we're going to do, and, and, and every dwell Sunday, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you some challenges. We're going to open up, when we, when we renovated the office over here, our heart was that the back room would not just be a counseling room, but that it'd be a prayer room. And um, and then then war room came out, and we're like, we want it to be the war room. So that is that's our war room. So here's what we're going to do: we're going to invite you to. Sheba's going to be the one because she's in the office on Thursdays and Fridays all day. Um, if you want to come in the war room, and 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 have some time of prayer, we're going to have two boards. One's going to be the prayer board, and the other one's going to be the praise board. And, uh, and there'll be posted notes and, uh, and you'll be able to write a prayer and put it up there or, or praise or just come in and pray for the things that are already on there and praise the, praise the Lord for the things that are already on there. But you can, you can, you can either ask for a half an hour, an hour, 
But just call the office, or if you have Sheba's cell phone, call Sheba and just say, I would like Thursday at this time or Friday at this time, is it available? And come in and get in the war room and pray. Um, that's another dwelling opportunity. Um, as I mentioned, uh, starting this, you don't, you don't have to wait till February 1st, by the way, if you want to go 10 minutes, I'm just saying. Um, but that's the challenge for the month. And then finally, join, join, a, join a group, join, join a, a, a life group, a small group, a new house of prayer, whatever. But, or, or if you're a covenant member, may, start a life group. You know, all you can do, this is a simple life group. Have people over to your house and just talk about what you heard during the sermon on Sunday. You don't even have to be able to, 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 to lead a, a curriculum. I mean, you don't even have to prepare anything, you know, beverages or something. This is my prayer for you this morning. Would you hear this, this passage as a prayer? And we're going to sing a song with all our hearts, and then we're going to dismiss to be the, the mission, the hands and feet of Christ. But Ephesians 3, 14 through, through 19 says this. For this reason... Paul says to this church in Ephesus to the Holy Spirit says, I kneel before the father from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have the power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org.